This week on the Jock and Nerd Podcast, we review the movie that introduced international audiences to the amazing Tony Jaa, Bak, the Thai warrior, plus writer's strike update, Disney and Hulu to combine content, the front runners to be cast in Superman Legacy revealed, Fast X gives away the whole movie in a new trailer, will Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer perform well at the box office this summer, and more. All in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Monday, May 15th, 2023. This is Frank Grillo. You know me. But who are you? Are you the discerning, sophisticated type of person who enjoys all the latest comic book, superhero, TV, and movie news? Pop culture references, witty banter? Me neither. I'm just here for the dick jokes. Check. Check one. Hello, listener. What's up? Thanks for pressing play and welcome to the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where we give you comic book and superhero TV and movie news, reviews, and whatever we choose. Jock and Nerd! My name is Imran. My name is Anthony. He's the Jock. And he's a nerd. And joining us, front runner to play Superman in James Gunn's new movie, it's Rug Boy. What's up, Rugs? <laughs> wow. Kneel before Zod. <laughs> I am the son of Jarrell. Zod'll have to get down pretty low to uh, lower his head from your height. Yeah, he's gonna have to get on the ground. Gonna have to be lie down before <laughs> Superman. Uh I think you'd make a good Clark Kent. What do you think, Anthony? Uh, what? Yeah, if, if Rock <laughs> Boy was to play Superman in the James Gunn movie, I think it would be very different, and it would. Work. I, I did wear a Superman costume on Halloween. Remember that? Maybe they could cast Rugs as Jimmy Olsen. Oh, I guess with the heavy camera weighing his little puppet body down. How about Louis Lame? Louis Lame? Is that <laughs> yeah? Let me do a do a gender swap. Ah, see, I like this. This is uh, progressive. Yeah, you put a felty in as yeah, <laughs> Louis can, Lame. Yeah, like uh, Clark Kent can tongue my slack hole. <laughs> ah, Everybody love it. There we go. Well, I cash got in. To, got to the slack hole joke. That's what exact Amandi. Ding ding ding. That's it. Okay, we can move on now. Hey, we got a uh, great extra movie I'm excited to talk about later. And some fun geek news. Let's dive in. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Uh, Writer's strike update. They're still on strike. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's all we need to know. (laughs) You know what? I'm I'm not going to go week by week update unless something crazy happens. Because literally this thing. Literally, you could just start every show while they're on strike and go, yep, still on strike. Still on strike. I mean, and this thing may go till like September, possibly October. So, yeah, I think it's going to be as long as the last one. Um, Here's something I forgot to mention last week when we talked about the writers going on strike. One of the things they are fighting for, and this seems like they shouldn't have to fight for this, is the transparency of streaming numbers from the streaming companies. Right now, you're trying to negotiate residuals, meaning every time a thing gets played or watched, I should get a little piece of that, just like it was on TV, just like the deals were. Well, I don't think it's any secret that none of these streamers disclose any of their fucking streaming numbers. Oh, shit. Right. So and they can say whatever they want. And they but and you, you know, for damn sure. 
They have the data. They know how many people watch 30 seconds of it, watch half of it, watch the whole thing. They have this data and it's their business, but should they be disclosing this data? I mean, it would help lots of things and they should, they should be privy to some kind of, um, uh, documentation that tells them what the numbers are. But I think that the old school way was there was advertisers and advertisers wanted to know that's correct. Who was tuning mm-hmm. in? Yeah. Right. So it's not advertiser based or maybe it will be at some point and that, that'll point. play a role. But it shouldn't be public knowledge if, if they don't want it to be. Sure. Sure. But you work on a thing and it blows up and you have no idea how many people actually watched it. Uh, that's frustrating and you cannot negotiate any money. What do you think, Ethan? No, yeah, I mean, not knowing that's, but the the thing is, the streamers do that because it gives them the leverage in the negotiations, right? Yeah. So when you're negotiating and you don't know how much you're really worth because you don't know how many people are watching it, that yeah. gives the streamer more motive, more leverage in the negotiation to kind of lowball you because yeah. you don't know what you're worth. Yeah, they get Why do you power. think they don't disclose anything? I mean, I just said about the advertising, but what do you think the other reason is? Like, they just think it's advantageous to like, yeah, I think keep it's everybody just, in industry. Keep it, yeah, you know, because then they can kind of control the narrative. I bet uh, the, I'm, I just wonder how much the numbers are exaggerated and, uh, you know, how much they lie and just say whatever they want. Um, are, isn't there like some group that's starting to the, track shit? There is like a third party. I forgot the name of this website, this company that we've used their, their data, but it's third party and they got to like, I don't know how they gathered their data, but somehow they do get some kind of numbers, which is helpful. Maybe it should isn't be. Isn't Nielsen also involved? Nielsen, I don't think is involved with streaming. That is a good question. Uh, yeah, Nielsen's not involved. I don't think with streaming. Oh Nielsen wow! Was always, uh, I think if Nielsen was always just regular TV. No, they have. It looks like they mm, they do it. There is a Nielsen streaming charts because it's self reporting, isn't it? Yeah, is it Nielsen working on like self reporting? I wonder how they get that data because they'll again the analog old school way was like. They would go to people's houses and put this box on their TV and whatever you watch would be tracked for like a week and you would journal it and submit it. And that was their small sample size of Nielsen. It's inevitable. They're going to start. This stuff's going to be public knowledge soon. It's got to be because if this writer strike goes through and uh, you have Nielsen starting in another third party, eventually it's just going to be it's going to be out there. Yeah, I wonder if this writer strike will force their hand in the numbers if they'll compromise this secret number. It's inevitable. It's just when it's going to happen. This thing's going to go on for a while. Here is an updated partial list of shows that have been affected. And this is just stuff we talk about, shows I care about. It's just a partial list. There's a lot more. But uh, shows affected immediately right now and or season two. Blade, Ooh. we talked about last week. Uh, the final season of Cobra Kai Ooh. is going to be delayed. Daredevil Born Again, we mentioned. The Game of Thrones prequel, which is called A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, The Hedge Knight. This is a new prequel. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, I didn't did, know they had a new prequel coming th- out. That is delayed. House of the Dragon season two is affected. Rings of Power season two, the Lord of the Rings show. Severance season two, the final season of Stranger Things, season two of Last of Us, and Yellow Jacket season three. Which is only one of the best shows nobody's watching because it's on Showtime. Uh, season two is coming out right now. I love that show. But this and a lot. Oh, you know what I heard from John Campia? This is the interesting effect of the writer's strike that even movies that have that are done 
that are scheduled to be released soon are being pushed back. Why? Say you have like an R-rated comedy or some niche movie where you really do rely on your the cast going on talk shows, doing talk show appearances oh, to talk up the movie and sell it some weird niche original IP. Well, they can't do that. And a, a lot of these movies, I think, some most of their marketing is we're getting these people on the talk shows to talk about our movie. Spread the why, word. Why can't they talk about it on talk shows? All the talk shows are dark right now. Nobody's oh. shooting because those fuckers are writing things every day. Okay. They're all in reruns. There are essentially no new talk shows happening late night, daytime, any of that shit. So I thought that was interesting. Another effect. Uh, and then, and then this story comes out that some studios, namely Disney and the Warner Brothers, the big ones are kind of forcing showrunners to work during the writer's strike. Uh, forcing them to cross the picket line, you know, because there's some writer producers, but ABC sent a letter to its showrunners saying, uh, uh, we want to re- reiterate to you as a showrunner or other writer producer that you are not excused from performing your duties as a showrunner and or producer on your series as a result of the strike. So it says in here they want them to do something uh, called uh, services A through H, commonly referred to a through H services as a producer, such as cutting for time, small changes to dialogue or narration made before or during production and changes in technical or stage directions. Uh, but this one guy uh, who was a longtime showrunner says uh, the, the rules prohibit from performing any writing services, including the A through H functions, the rules of the strike. So essentially, these big companies are forcing these showrunners to make a choice between, you know, their employer and the union. And it's a little messy. Mm. Mm. It's union busting techniques from companies that were built on union labor. Well, that's all I'm saying. Easy solve to this. Just hire a bunch of podcasters and then there you go. Hey, we'll write your shit for you. We don't give a <laughs> shit. We, we don't write anything. <laughs> we, that's right. We'll just make it up. It's not writing. Yeah, we'll make it up as we go. <laughs> we'll just make yeah. it up and you can just record it and write it down. And, uh, I can interview if- fucking Nicolas Cage without a script. Yeah, well, interviews is different. It's like all the monologue writing for the talk shows, right? But we could just... Uh, yeah, we just freeball it. We just freeball it. Then this happens. Then this guy went to get ice cream. Then they, he has a gun. <laughs> and then they fight. Put eco waste in it. Uh, so... <laughs> and this time, make him fight. Uh, I mean... For some of these movies we just watched, there really that that there was no plot writing at no, all. Not just, much. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. The movie we're going to review this week. Uh, kind just of go get. Into, we we go retrieve into. something. Yes. <laughs> just go shoot this. We'll work it out at post. Just make some cool shots. So, uh, anyways, yeah, the writer's strike can be going on a long time, and Disney is forcing these people to work. Meanwhile, Bob Iger, Disney CEO, uh, on the latest earnings call, is basically said. We're buying Hulu, bitches. Oh, shit. Oh. Hollywood Reporter reporting uh, Disney will be combining Hulu content with Disney Plus content into one app in the U.S. Uh, This is going to begin to roll out by the end of the calendar year. Both services will also, they'll remain standalone. What? How does that make any sense? They'll have a bundle. You can, but the Hulu stuff is going to end up on Disney Plus. I think it's a little confusing. Wait, what? I don't get it. He says we will continue to offer uh, Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus as standalone options. 
but they're also going to start combining the content to grow the wealth of content on one. Uh, the, the, these articles, that's, there's been a little weird. That's all they've yeah. been saying. That's weird. I don't, I don't really understand until I understand that. I don't know how to comment on it. And you only get it if you're subscribed to both things or something. Uh, yeah, apparently they're both going to be standalone, but then Disney's just going to get, well, then they're not combining, but Disney's just going to get Hulu stuff. So maybe like you don't have to go to Hulu to watch things. Yeah. It's a little confusing. What's interesting is when Bob Iger first came on, you know, his job was to cut costs, save some money, make some money. Remember, he was thinking about selling Hulu. Uh, Disney owns two thirds of Hulu. Comcast owns uh, one third. But turns out now it looks like they're going the other way. And they're just going to buy out Comcast at the beginning of the year to be a juggernaut. There can be only one. So my question about all this, this brings up the question like we saw. Uh, HBO and Discovery merge. We've seen Netflix who have said, we're, we're never going to, we'll always let you share passwords. We're never going to have ads. Start to crack down on password sharing and put ads in. Is this the beginning of the end of like this streaming model? Is, is there too much streaming? Is it just going to now, uh, cannibalize itself into these bundles? Where do you guys see it right? Now? I feel like, yes, they're probably going to keep merging and, and pruning. So they're like, they'll get a bunch of shit, they'll have too much shit, then they'll streamline it down so they could save costs, and then hopefully, I mean, there is a lot of content that no one's watching, and we don't really know this because we don't have the numbers, we can't look it up, but there's shit that I know that no one watches, yeah. and but it's there, so um, maybe that will make it easy, because right now, like, there's so many options, there's so many things out. It's impossible to watch everything unless you're Imran, and then you can watch well, and, it all. <laughs> and remember where everything is. Like, where the fuck did I watch this? What is this? Yeah. So some of this uh, merging and then streamlining probably is a good thing. How many do we got now? Yo, that are I, big? Easy, I easily pay for like eight or nine. I believe. Yeah. There's, I mean, if you just want to list them, it's yeah. Netflix. You got HBO Max. will become Max. Disney Plus. Amazon Prime, Hulu, ESPN Plus, Paramount, The Cock, Apple TV. Apple. Yeah. yeah. Two, three, four, five, That's six, nine? Seven, eight, nine. That's nine. nine I mean, it's right eight. There. And then, yeah. you know, and then all the offshoots and all that stuff. So, yeah. And then there's like other ones like MGM that are. Yeah. There's and then yeah, little, a- littler ones. Yeah. AMC has one. Stars, yeah. AMCs. Showtime rolled themselves into Paramount Plus. So you can get like Paramount Plus with Showtime content. Mm. Uh, what, I, what I think is going to happen, I actually agree with Ruggs. Um, I think this will start to merge uh, into, because there's too many, right? Yeah. It'll start to merge. They'll, they'll raise the price on it. Yeah, that's been happening too. They'll raise the price on it. They'll start doing these tiers, which they're already doing. So this yeah. is nothing new. Like I, I'm not predicting anything. They'll start doing the ad tiers because there's a lot of revenue in getting ads back yeah. in the game. Yeah. That's how commercial, that's how TV networks were making money, as we touched on earlier with the yep. ads, right? Yep. yep. So they'll start doing the ad tiers they'll charge more for the ad free tiers which they're already doing and i agree with rugs i think they're probably just going to start lowering the amount of content they have on these like just start cutting out the crap that no one's watching they have all that data yeah just cut it all out i don't know i don't know if that saves them money i I would assume it might save them a little bit of money in terms of like servers and 
maybe who they're paying for this stuff. Just start cutting out all the useless stuff and, and really making these more robust. Because, um, yeah, when everything's at your fingertips the way it is right now, it's it's there's literally just too much. Yeah, imagine if you will. Um, okay, the way they have things now, they're throwing all this money in different directions, looking for it to uh, retain clientele, yeah, right? People yeah, to yeah. keep watching this, yeah. this network. What if you could put your money into a a very successful franchise and keep it going at a high quality and the episodes just keep coming out? There's not a year long lull. There's not, you know, they maybe they have a two month hiatus or a three month hiatus and then they're back on. But you wouldn't even need that. You could keep it going. That's what TV used to be, right? Well, they it, used to have like 30 episodes. 24, and then yes. it, 22 to 24. And there used to be like summer new TV season, pilot season, and it would start in September, October. That doesn't even really exist anymore. Like, no, they could probably get back to that. And if you think about it, an hour-long TV show with commercials is actually 40 minutes. That's what the Mandalorians Correct. are, right? 44 so, minutes minus commercials. So it's it's not an impossible feat. Uh, what are we talking about, though? We're essentially talking about turning everything back into fucking television where it started. From We were happy with these streaming services, and now it's going to yeah. be like cable companies. I think television. potentially they're realizing that the, there's no money to be made in these streaming services. It's a big it's risk. It's an endless money pit. It is a money pit. I also think... Not this isn't a this is a little bit out of your guys' wheelhouse, but you're seeing it already. These streaming services are starting to really invest in sports. Yeah, um, live sports. because live sports yeah, are yeah. still the yeah. thing that is watched the most and draws the most eyeballs, the most money. NFL's on has games on Amazon Prime every yep. Thursday. They're doing the first ever exclusive live stream NFL playoff game on the cock in in 2024. Hulu has live sports, I believe. Hulu YouTube has, li- has well, live not li- sports. Not, not the live sports add-on, but actually just oh. including it uh, in your... Okay. Like Amazon Prime, you don't have to pay any more to right. see the NFL game. You're going to start seeing the other other companies, I think, investing in live sp- in sports. I think Apple TV invested a bunch of money in MLS, I believe. Let me just double check. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. That Amazon NFL deal was wild, and they were pulling in like 14, 15 million viewers, and it was growing. So I think they're onto something there. Mm-hmm. So I can't find if it was Apple TV or who. Uh, might be Apple TV. Apple TV Plus. Somebody needs to grab the baseball. Sports. Yeah, no, I mean, well, ba- baseball is not so- the best. But, so- uh, oh, you said MLS, soccer. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so like Apple TV, yeah, they're looking to get in. They have MLS. Um, or they're looking at MLS. So, yeah, I mean, live sports might be another thing where they these these companies are like, we'll throw a shit ton of money at live sports because we know people are going to watch it. See, it all just comes back to television. Television was a great model to begin with. You can't well, improve it. It's coming back around. It was great. It's just, I mean, it was fine. But it, this is clearly better in terms of like for a fan. Yeah. As far as having any, you can like, the fact that I can throw on so i can go okay where i want to watch this and i can find the app that has it and watch it immediately is great yeah it's just there's just so many and it's just the the, the cost now is is saying is more than a cable bill and it's also so just figuring that it's out it's like a fleeting thing because i think a lot of people i and i do this is you jump around based on the hot show like oh this show is right. hot i'm gonna watch it and then i don't go back to that fucking app. well there's two there's two schools there's the people that do that they jump around they cancel their subscriptions yeah. all the time yeah Right. Well, there's three. There's that. There's the people that share, which everyone does. 
Um, but then the other, there's the other one that's kind of like me now where it's like, I don't really watch half of these, but we're already paying for it. And I, I we're, it's not that we're already paying for it. I just forget that we're even paying right. for it, which is how a lot of subscription businesses work. They just hope you forget that you even have it. Yeah, the subscription model is not going away it's, as more and more other things adopted. I see even in like software and stuff like there's no one off buying. But here's another thing to get subscribers, right? Exclusive content premieres of new movies. Here's a crazy story. Avatar The Way of the Water just announced their streaming release date, June 7th. It is coming out on Disney Plus and HBO Max oh, at the same time. This Whoa. Is, this is very rare. You don't, you never see this, right? Uh, according to this article, the, it seems the reason they can do this is because of a modified agreement Disney made with Warner Media in 2021. Under the terms of the deal, Max can share the rights to films Disney's 20th Century Studios released in 2022 with Hulu and Disney Plus. So I'm, I don't even know which side is calling the shots on this. Uh, this could work to get them subscribers. Maybe the, the Max rebrand is going to go into effect later this month, May 23rd. But Max. Wow. What a it's great just name. Called, I know. It's so stupid. It's just called Max. <laughs> let me, but let me ask a, a yeah, question. Yeah. So like Avatar is going to come out on two different, uh, yes, on the same time. Who does this help? Like if you're looking for new dis- subscribers, where are you going to go? Well, I think people are already subscribed. They're going to be like, which one do I watch it on? Right. No, so what, the, the question is, who do you think is going to watch it more on which platform? Or yeah, or you know, well, the, Disney I think has more subscribers than HBO Max. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, probably. It's over. They got over a hundred million now. Something. Mm-hmm. So, I, and I think that's the worst platform out of all of them. Don't you right. Think? Right. I just as far as, I mean, as, far as yeah, I mean, it, when when you think about Disney, you think about kind of a, a box you're putting yourself in as far as content, right? Like you're not gonna you're gonna get. It's going to be a, a a pretty young young target in terms of your content. But if they add this all that Hulu shit, like you're diluting this Disney platform now. It's going to be interesting how they handle. Um, I, I would love to see them just put Hulu into Disney Plus and make it its own, like make a FX thing and make yeah, a, yeah, that and that might happen, right? Uh, but they have crazy shows like Dave. Like I can't imagine Dave being on Disney Disney Plus. It's kind of crazy. Uh, Maybe they'll just the call Wu-Tang it D show. D. Look or at, HD D's plus. plus. It's D's it D. plus. D's plus. It's just called D's. <laughs> we're rebranding Disney. We're plus. rebranding too because we can't. It's, it's not just you know. It's like HBO. We, we it's yeah. not HBO we're anymore. Not just Disney. We're D's nuts plus. D, D's nuts plus. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to compete with the cock. <laughs> D's nuts. Yeah, this whole landscape is still shifting. Uh, it's, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy yeah. how much it changes. Yeah, listener, let us know what what platform you're going to watch Avatar: The Way of the Water on. You can join this <laughs> conversation. You can join our fun Facebook group. It's called Jock and Nerd Nation. There, Jock and Nerd. there is a Jock and Nerd. link in the episode description. It is a closed, exclusive group for our listeners. In there is where you can leave your pick for the final four films that'll make it into our 21st Century Action Movie Tournament. The list of movies is there. There is going to be an update to that list. More on that later. Stay tuned. Uh, but if you want to also play along for a chance at a Jock and Nerd prize, you can go to jockandnerd.com slash action movie tournament for instructions and the list of movies. Okay. Let's speaking of HBO Warner Brothers, uh, let's talk about uh, the search for Superman. Uh, we finally have a little bit of clarity from Hollywood Reporter reporting the front runners 
for the roles of Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and Lex Luthor for Superman Legacy, James Gunn Superman. Uh, the front runner for Clark is a dude named David Sweat. Hmm. Again, I know what you're saying. Who the fuck is this guy? He was recently in that movie Pearl with Mia Goth, Pearl's big, big horror, uh, movie. He is the top contender to play Clark along with. If a- they're going to cast this guy, let me just comment. Yeah. Let's quick. talk about David Corrin Sweat. I, I don't know anything about him. Yeah. I'm going to be complete, complete ignorance, but. He looks a lot like Henry Cavill. Yes, he does. Good observation. <laughs> what are they, why don't they just cast Henry Cavill if they're doing this? In fact, uh, Jose Ibarra left a hilarious comment on this article I posted in our Facebook group. He said, remember as a kid when your parents would be like, you don't need Lucky Charms. We have that at home. But you'd get home to a big bag of marshmallow mateys. David Cornsweat is what you get when James Gunn tells us we have Henry Cavill at home. He's marshmallow mateys. Which I thought was pretty <laughs> funny. Rugs. Uh, do you remember, actually, this name has come up before, and I think it was like over a year ago when Delhauer was on the show, he had thrown out as a casting this guy, David Cornsweat. That's where I remember hmm. this dude's name being called. By the way, 29 years old, taller than Henry, 10 oh, years younger, 6'4", compared to 6'1". Oh, he's a good age, and he's taller. Just a little bigger, but looks like him. So he, could, ahead, play, he could play like a mid-20s. And his corn is wet. And his corn is sweat. His, yes, his corn, <laughs> corns are wet. Yeah, I love a guy with wet corn. <laughs> uh, what do you think about this guy, Rugs? Uh, Henry Cavill light or uh, maybe not? Well, I don't. I don't think I've ever seen anything he's in. So yeah, he's other than just lot. his look. I think he look looks wise. He's fine. I mean, yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, man. I don't think if he looks like Henry Cavill, like you're in the right direction. So yeah, if you squint your eyes, like you think it's Henry Cavill, so that could work. Is he British? Oh no, he's American. Oh, oh good. Oh, he's born in Could, Philadelphia. Keep, keep him, yeah. Keep, born, born and made in the USA. That's what we need. Sign him up. We need an American to be a sweaty yeah. corn man. Fuck yeah. Uh, the other guy's name is Jacob Elordi. I'm looking at him now. He also kind of look. I mean, oh, also kind of looks like like uh, Cavill, huh? A little bit, not as much, but uh, I mean, has the Superman kind of look. Oh yeah. How he, do you spell Elordi? E L O R D I. He he seems younger. He is Australian. Oh, wow. he's twenty five. So he is like good. He could be in movies. Six five. Tw- yeah, six five. So he's tall as he's well. He's tall. He could play Clark for like ten years. Where did I see this dude? I feel familiar. Uh, he was in. I said Euphoria. Uh, Euphoria. I he's see that. also best known for. He was in the Kissing Booth. What is this? Deep Water. Pirates of the Caribbean. You know? Oh, he was in Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know what he uh, did there. Looks kind of John Bellotti ish a little bit. <laughs> I mean, let's just cash John Bellotti at that point. <laughs> I think Bellotti would be a great Superman. Bellotti's like seven three. Yeah, he's got the 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 long. I mean, you've structure. seen him in person, right? Remember, yeah. he's a yeah. he's a giant. Oh yeah, he's a big guy. <laughs> I always have to look up when I talk to him, so I'm, I I talk to him only when he's sitting down. Because every, my every time John Bellotti approaches, all you hear in the background is fee fi fo fa. He's not a giant. Maybe he is. <laughs> Uh, but David Cornsweat. Hi, John. Uh, I'd be okay with David. Hi, Bilotti. David Cornsweat. I'd be okay. As for- I'm cool with either based on purely looking at pictures on Google right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. That Hen- I have no idea what that they, Henry what they really Dickinson like. guy was not in the front runners that we talked about. He was wrong. These guys need to uh, put on about uh, 20 pounds at least. They'll bulk yeah, them up. they definitely both need to bulk up. They will bulk them up. You you can imagine they bulk them up. They're going to give them, guys. like, suit muscles. No. They're going to just uh, insert them into the suit. 
Lois Lane uh, contenders. Uh, this person, Emma Mackey. Let me take a look. Uh, she's the star of the Netflix series Sex Education, and she will be in the Barbie movie. She looks kind of like Margot Robbie. Okay. That's, how about this one? Then we have Emma Mackey looks like Margot Robbie. That's what they tried to do. Um, what is going on here? Rachel Brosnahan. Who is Marvelous Miss Maisel? She's Maisel. I think she would uh, be She'd good. probably be great. She has dark hair. She, I think she would be really good for the role. She's another so, doppelganger for another actress. Yeah. The one from uh, from uh, Westworld. She looks just like her. Oh, yeah. So, here's my comments on the two of them. Yeah. Purely on looks. Yeah. Emma Maggie looks a lot like Margot Robbie. She kind of looks like an actress. Yeah. Rachel Brosnahan. Bra- yeah. Looks more like your girl next door. Yes, she has very like normal. Looks person. very like unassuming, which yeah. I think is actually a good fit for Lois yeah. Lane. She's great in in Maisel. She's won a, a bunch of Emmys for being a marvelous Miss Maisel. Like she's pretty, but she's not someone that you know you'd take you know a second look at right away. She's cute though. Once you watch the show, you really get charmed by her personality. And okay, look up this one. This is a weird yeah. spelling. Phoebe Denevor. D y n e v o r. She is from Bridgerton. And she, okay, she looks uh, not like Margot Robbie, but... She looks more like a model. Yeah, she looks like a model, absolutely. Uh, And then Samara Weaving, who is just in Scream 6. And that, I know a lot of, she has a lot of fans. Uh, So the problem with, uh, not to be... Real quick. Not to be ageist. Samara Weaving looks like an actress. So if we're going... She looks like Margot Rachel. Based purely on look, I'd go with Rachel Brosnahan. And and Samara Weaving also kind of looks like Margot Robbie. So the issue with Brosnahan, it it says here, she delivered an outstanding audition. But, and this is a Hollywood reporter Uh saying this, at 32, maybe in the older range for what Gunn is ultimately hoping to achieve, a look at Metropolis heroics via 20-something characters. Well, that's what they did with um, Man of Steel. Um... What's her name? Who's the lady that plays Lois? Uh, in- Amy Adams. Amy Adams oh, yeah. is about, let's see, she's currently 48. Oh. And Henry Cavill is 30. Uh, she's nine years. She was nine years older than Henry. Oh, my Cavill. God. Yeah. Oh. So, and Brosnahan can look, can play young. Like, I could see her as, as in her 20s. I uh, guess you would probably want to cast someone in their mid twenties, right? Because then you're going to use them if you lock them down for like three movies at least. But Rachel Brosnahan, yeah, that's a really good pick. Oh, the girl that Rachel, Rachel Brosnahan looks like is Evan Rachel Wood. Evan Rachel Wood from yes, from uh, Westworld. So there's yeah. Th- th- yeah, there's plenty of like them side by side. Like oh, do okay. they look like one another? Okay, uh, so you searches. have either a Margot Robbie clone or a Evan Rachel Wood clone. There's or, clones of everybody. There's, there's clones of everybody. Why is there so many doppelgangers? How many people look like Ansel Elgort? It's confusing. You know why? Because they're all white. Oh, I mean Miles Teller. You <laughs> cannot tell me the difference. Full racist. All white people. Look <laughs> you cannot tell me. Oh, <laughs> the difference between. I can Miles say that because I'm half white. I yeah, can say that. You can say yeah. that. <laughs> and it's not racist when you make fun of white okay, people. Okay. All right. Wait. There's one more. Lex Luthor. Yes. Okay, Lex so Luthor. before I tell you who it is, apparently James Gunn talked to Bradley Cooper, voice of Rocket, to be Lex Luthor. That fell through. It's not. Whoa, that would be weird. That, yeah. yeah. That would be a weird, weird choice. Currently, would it, it be weirder? Yeah, rugs. Would it be weirder than having Eisenberg as Lex Luthor? Uh, that's worse. Eisenberg, I think, is worse. No, I think that. Um, I don't know. I think that Bradley Cooper would do a better job. Yeah, I agree. I think. I think. Hands Cooper's, down. Yeah. The, so, the, the thing they were going with, I, they were going for the Mark Zuckerberg Eisen, Lex Luthor, which was that strange. Did not work. 
Uh, so it says here the only person earmarked uh, for the, is the classic villain Luthor, Nicholas Holt. Hmm, beast. Currently, currently starring in Renfield. He was Beast in the X-Men Days of Future Past and all those movies. Uh, and uh, uh, I can totally see this guy shaving his head oh, yeah. looking diabolical. But he's tall. He is tall. So you need a tall Clark Kent to go up against him. That's all. He was yeah, also, you can't have a short uh, Clark Kent and then Lex Luthor tower over him. He was runner-up for Matt Reeves' Batman. Apparently, oh. almost got it. Almost got Nicholas it. Holt's height. Let's see, six three. Yeah, he's tall. How old is he? Thirty three. Oh, okay, but Lex should be older, right? He's uh, yeah, a little bit. Lex Luthor. They shouldn't. They in the. They shouldn't do the thing though, where they knew each other from like a young age, right? Yeah, that's that was Smallville did that. Smallville did, and that. it was kind of weird. No, it should just be like this corporate guy's evil, and uh, he just he does his thing uh, while. This thing is happening over here. I don't know. Well, this guy, no. well, this kid's growing up on a farm. Yeah. Well, I like the idea of uh, how John Byrne wrote it is that Lex Luthor was like the the, the most important, like Elon Musk, the most important guy in the world, the most powerful man in the world. Ah. He could yeah. literally do anything and do no wrong. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere comes Superman and it takes all the attention off of him and he starts to feel like insecure for the first oh, time. I like that. I'd like that. Oh, and then he starts to freak out. Yeah. So then, like, he makes it. He uses Personal. all of his like his like wealth to, to kind of smear him and to try and make him look like the bad guy. And he yeah, bought like his that. way into being a good guy, and now this guy shows up. Yeah. Well, I like that. That's like what would happen. Yeah, like a true good person. Yeah. He's just pretending to yeah, be. He's pretending this, to be. Yeah. It's like that's the facade that he has. He's really a piece of shit. I mean, we'll see. This is shaping up. I'm not mad at these uh, these front runners here. If this is like where his head is at, James Gunn. I'm surprised he didn't uh, just uh, cast his wife as Lois Lane. But uh, <laughs> Jen Holland, oh, that would that would <laughs> how many people be, would that piss off? So many uh, tables would be flipped <laughs> at like comic book stores all, and <laughs> all the comic book guys. Would yeah, agree. they'd be in the middle of a D and D game, and all of a sudden, or Fucking Yu-Gi-Oh game, and all of a sudden the table will get magic upturned. cards will be flung like ninja stars. I, I have to say, I know we talked about it briefly last week, but when she showed up on Guardians, it yeah. almost, yeah, almost the whole theater was yeah. like, "Oh, we're kind of in on the joke now that she's." Yeah, we were like, "Oh, there she is!" Like everybody, and then she gets, sh- I then she gets shot, yeah. and it's like, "Oh, James Gunn shooting it!" Like, yeah, I almost felt like he knew that this was getting to be kind of ridiculous. Yeah. It was his message to the fans. Look, I put her in here, but then I shot her. Are we even? Are we cool now? Fuck. <laughs> That's all he's trying to do. Loves his wife. Yeah. She's an actress. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Let's, we'll see what this movie comes out. Hey, listen. Uh, wasn't uh, Sarah Connor, James, uh, James yes. Cameron's yeah, wife? Yes. Woman, yeah. Yes. This, I mean, there's he been was a, dating lot of, her. There's a lot of nepotism in these movies. I don't know why they pick. he's getting picked on for it. It's nepotism. It's nepotism <laughs> it is. Look, you're excited. Feel these nipples. Uh, all right, let's finish up. I uh, got a couple of trailers I wanted to discuss with you fellas. Anthony, you shared this one. I didn't even know this. That net new Fast X, the movie, is coming out this Friday, May 19th. And for some reason, they have put out a four and a half minute fucking trailer the week before it comes out. I watched the trailer. We all watched the trailer. What are your thoughts? Rugs, you said it earlier. Let's just start with you. First of all, I feel like I've seen the entire film, like all the good parts yes. anyway. There's about four minutes of like explosions and cars doing fucking gymnastics. I feel like 
Why buy the cow? I just fucking sucked up all the milk. At like three minutes in, I'm like, oh, I don't need to go see the movie anymore. They're just uh, they can show me all the good shit here. Um, but I did kind of like how it's, it goes into the first few movies and nostalgia in the beginning. Uh, Anthony, what'd you think? They're, it's heavily action based. And honestly, the more trailers I see of these, like the actions looks fucking dope in this. Yeah, I mean, the, the movie, the franchise at this point is somewhat of a joke. And they kind of realize it by the fact that John Cena is a villain in the last one. Now he's cracking jokes. <laughs> You've got uh, Jason Statham, who was a villain who killed um, Hans. Now showing up at his door. or no, Now that, showing yeah. up his door, and yeah. they're both like, let's get put some people in body bags and yeah. shit. So. Yeah. Uh, and you know they have every big name in here. Now you got Brie Larson in this. You've got everyone. Alan really- Richson, that big dude from Jack Reacher, I didn't know, uh-huh. is also in there. He's huge. The fact that like- they released a five-minute trailer almost <laughs> yes! before the week the movie comes out. Desperate. Seem yeah, it seems a little desperate. It seems like maybe they're trying their best they can to drum up interest in this. That that seems like a desperate move. I did notice how in that long scene where uh, Michelle Rodriguez is that Michelle Rodriguez yes. is fighting uh, Charlize Theron, and mm-hmm. it's it ties into the movie we're going to review. It looks like she's doing some fucking Muay Thai flying knee kick shit. I was like, yeah. oh, look at that. Look at that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, of course. That's from looked, the greats. That scene looked pretty brutal. Uh, and yeah, they're showing you some jokes and that, ex- I mean, you know, they even, they even say in the trailer, they've defied gravity multiple times. Yeah. Like if there's something in a car, they can do it and they can yeah. do it multiple times. Like they know, they know what this is. That So that one movie where they steal the vault and it's, and it's strapped to their car and there's a chase, right? Uh, the big, the giant vault from the bank. Uh, I was watching this corridor crew stuntmen react video and apparently they, but there's like half a truck and a driver in that vault, like driving around as they're filming that stunt, which I was like, that's fucking crazy and cool. That so, was one of the best things they'd ever done. Yeah, he could actually control like how it whipped around and he would practice drifting in that box. Uh, yeah, I mean, the series good. has gotten to be kind of a joke, but I still maintain that that Fast Five. Oh, that was Fast Five. Okay. That was, it was, that was Fast Five. And it was awesome. They, <laughs> they were doing some great shit in that movie. I mean, this movie kind of fell off a cliff after seven. Yeah, but uh, Fast Five is in the tourney for a reason. So, that fucking bank vault seat's awesome. So the first Fast and the Furious was like a car movie. It was uh, it was Point Break with cars. Yeah, and then Too Fast, Too Furious was still kind of like a, just it was a little a car bit movie. more more of a heisty movie. Maybe it was still a crime, like a espionage, like a Paul Walker's. Jumping in and and trying to so infiltrate. Was, Dude, that was, was too fast. Too fast. It was in Miami. So w- was the fourth one where they start to turn into ridiculous, and then five was where they perfected it, or yeah. So three was Tokyo Drift. They got real strange in terms of just the casting. Four, they started to get a little weird. Um, they brought the old cast back. It's like Fast and Furious, right? Yeah. The but one? then, but then five is when they really turned it up to eleven, and we're like, we're just making this now a heist thing. Because hmm. Fast Four still had the racing aspect to it, where they were still competing in some sort of race, but also dealing with drug crime lords. And then Five, they were like, "Screw the racing shit!" Like, there it'll be, it'll be, we'll touch on it, but it's more about these guys are now expert criminals. And then by nine, they're like going into space and shit. I don't know what happened. The fuck? Yeah, I mean, they're. I mean, how many movies can you make about cars? <laughs> <laughs> 
before the... Uh, well, they're making one more. You jump the shark. Yeah, they are going to make one more. I'll tell you, though, this no, trailer... I, I saw rumors they're going to make, make this another one. one. And another one, right? I read a rumor, yeah, that Vin Diesel was saying that I this that. Fast 10 is part of a trilogy. I heard that, too, and that they're going to fucking milk it and string it. And they probably... They, they would make money if they did it. Uh, wouldn't, they I mean, they're still do. releasing Transformers films, though. So. Yeah, you know what? I heard that movie. I don't think it's going to be any good. I heard from the John Roker show that he said that it had been through 11 different editing companies wow. to cut, to to get a final cut and it's a little bit of a mess. So, uh unfortunately, I don't see how the movie could come out good after being edited by 11 different companies and they still couldn't figure Which out. movie is this? Ri- uh Beast Wars, Rise of the Beast, whatever. The Beast Oh Beast my movie. god, yeah. that's terrible. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. So lower your expectations for that one. This trailer almost made me go like, maybe I'll go see this movie. I'm still not going to go see it. I'll catch it later. But it almost did that effect to me. These next set of trailers, though, really do have that effect on me. Switching gears sort of completely from uh, mindless action to brainy blockbuster Oscar movie in the summer. Uh, I'm talking about Chris Nolan and his next movie, Oppenheimer. Uh, There's a pair of trailers out. They put out a newer trailer, I think, a week ago. And this movie's coming out July 21st, right? This is your summer tentpole blockbuster season. But these trailers are so compelling and amazing. The the cinematography, the the idea of the history that he's tapping into, recreating the Trinity test from 1945 uh, is amazing. Is this what do you guys think of the trailer? And is this like kind of I don't want to say a, a, a return or a coming back of Nolan after Tenet, which came out in a weird time and it was very indulgent. This one, clearly the characters have names, and there's no confusing time travel. But an important story about the, the building of the, the nuclear bomb in a, during World War II. Did these- I feel like it could be a very dark film, yeah, which might not get people into the theater. Well, it's a dark subject. Yeah, it's a dark subject matter, but I feel like that he's going to destroy this film. It's going to be great. Like, he's going right? to... Uh, nail because when Nolan has got something like uh, like to anchor like Batman or something like yeah he really like or or his other movies uh the, the other war movies that he's done Dunkirk Dunkirk yeah yeah uh, yeah he really does a a great job translating that stuff sure. and he's a stickler for it and he has a high bar so yeah I think it's going to be a great film I don't know if a lot of people are going to go out and watch it I think. People like us who are into this shit will go. He did write it along with two other writers. So there's you think it's got box office like blockbuster written on I, it? I mean, it's definitely looks like no. Oscar worthy. But Anthony, what do you think? Is this is this is it? It's weird that he's releasing this in the summer. Yeah, and and, and I'm just looking at the budget. It's a hundred million. So yeah. he's, they've got to get a lot of people to watch this. Yeah. Um, Nolan has a lot of cachet. When Nolan's one of the few directors that you say throw Christopher Nolan on it, and a casual person goes, "Oh, that might be a good film. I might have to go see that." Now, the subject matter is—I mean, it's kind of boring <laughs> for most casual people. Yeah. I mean, the the life of theoretical physicist Robert J. Robert Oppenheimer and yeah. how he made the atom bomb. Not the most. I mean, if you're like me who enjoys World War II history. I think it's somewhat interesting. Even then, I, I don't know if I would see this in a movie theater. Um, you do have the the a spectacle aspect with IMAX and the explosions. This is an interesting release. I mean, an interesting yeah. 
this is an interesting move. I, I don't know. Absolutely. I don't really know what to make of it. If it's going to be one, if it's going to be good, uh, it'll probably be good. But I'm not that. I wasn't a big fan of Tenet. But then two, given the amount the amount of money spent on it, will it actually make money? I don't know. So look, the the cast is is pretty amazing. Obviously, you have Cillian Murphy as J. Oh, Robert also, Oppenheimer. Wait, one yeah. thing. One thing. This is the first movie. Not to be distributed by Warner Brothers for no reason. Yes, after he left Warner Brothers during the pandemic when they the last guy decided to release everything day and date on streaming and Nolan's like, fuck you, I'm out, and then gives us Tenet, and then we're all like, fuck you, Chris Nolan, my brain hurts, what the fuck? This is the opposite of Titanic. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. (laughs) yeah. Because Titanic is a love story with a tragedy in it. Yeah. And this is a straight up tragedy telling of like some of the scariest shit that could happen and how they got to that point. Yeah. And that could be compelling, like an Apollo 13 or something like that. Yeah. Or Schindler's List. Yeah. But I don't know. I think back in those times in the 90s and stuff, Schindler's List was like, so people were looking for something like that. Yeah. They were looking for uh, that type of very raw, very in-your-face storytelling. I think people right now aren't as into that stuff. I mean, well, you see parts like that are in black and white that like are during the trial after the test, but just like the ethics and the morality and what what goes through a guy's head when his project is to how can I make the biggest explosion that's going to kill the most people effectively before the Nazis and uh and the Germans have get the bomb, you know, under pressure. Uh, the cast is Cillian Amazing. Murphy. Uh, uh, you see Matt Damon. Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., like everybody's Hume, in this. Jack Quaid, Josh Hartnett, Olivia Thirlby, Rami Malek, Gary Oldman, Kenneth Branagh, Alden Ehrenrich, David Desmalchi, and Dane DeHaan uh, in this Jason cast. Clark. And yeah. Uh, also, when you see the explosion, just know this. Chris, you, we know Nolan. He's a guy who, liked, who, who dropped a plane, cut it in half in the beginning of Dark Knight Rises, for real, who bought a plane to crash... In Tenet, he has recreated the first nuclear weapon detonation, the Trinity test, with real explosives. There will be no CGI when you watch the footage of the explosion test, which is fucking boggles the mind. Imagine this would be a great meta story if he created a nuclear bomb and he tested it, and then that's what (laughs) creates the actual Godzilla. (laughs) Oh, Nolan, and then he makes a movie, but Nolan is responsible for Godzilla because he he wanted to make a real nuke for the movie. Yeah, There is a funny video out that totally fooled me. Somebody made a fake video that says Nolan dropped a real nuke, and I don't know, they took this featurette and they cut it to make it seem like they actually did detonate a real nuclear bomb. And then I had to be like, wait a minute, what the fuck? And I had to Google it. And I was like, okay, this is not real. They just needed a bomb of a much smaller size that would probably, they could detonate without bothering anyone. Well, and like the slow-mo and the close-ups you see in the trailer, like the cinematography, it looks amazing. It looks amazing. I'm excited for that one, July 21st. Uh, All right, that's it for the news. We're going to take a quick break here. Come back, talk about some Muay Thai fighting in an awesome 2000s action movie right after this. What's up? This is Brian, and I'm the host of Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast. That's right, a podcast dedicated to my favorite TV show, Parks and Rec. 
Every week, I discuss my favorite things about the show, which include character breakdowns, episode rewatches, and other random facts and tidbits about the show. You can find me on Instagram at Citizens of Pawnee Podcast and listen wherever you get your podcast now. You will literally love it. Hey there, everyone. Brian here, host of TV Trivia Pod. It's a trivia-style podcast focusing on TV and movies. Listen in for questions like, what's the name of Michael Scott's screenplay? What do you say to view the Marauder's map? And what's everyone eating in the post credit scene of Avengers? Play along to TV Trivia Pod anywhere you get podcasts. And stay tuned for more trivia! Listener, if you like this podcast, if it makes you giggle, if it makes you cringe, if it evokes any kind of feeling, right now is a great time to join our fan club on Patreon. Visit jockandnerd.com slash Patreon. Jockandnerd! And you will get stuff based on the tier you pledge. We appreciate everyone's continuing support. You can give back uh, and get access to a podcast feed where there is bonus content. Shows come out early. You can listen to how we picked our forthcoming 21st century action movie tournament movie selection in the draft. And there's a couple of updates to that to listen. And in fact, this week, there will be another update. Oh, shit. Why is that, Anthony? I don't know. Why is that, Ruggs? Well, well do we want to reveal well, it? No, or how you do have, you want to? You have to listen. Basically, we are changing the list. Okay. There yes. Go. we Something happened. A movie has been disqualified. And we were like, nope, we got to change it again. Which movie is it? You're going to have to sign up and listen to find That's out. That's right. You'll find, and then shortly I'll change. Well, then once I change the list on Facebook, oh. everyone will know. But it's a mystery. Anyways, a uh, lot of uh, give us money and you can find out. Yeah, give us money. You'll find out what happens. Those are fun. Things. Yeah, but that's not it. You also get access to our discord hangout, which we do once a month. We all get together and geek out. This month's hangout is this week. Rugs this Thursday. Oh shit! RJ Teeth. Exactly. Oh, this Thursday, I'm yeah. out. All right, oh, well. I have to make fun of Amron by myself. Yeah, yes, I got to pack. Fine. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jesus. listeners. I'm going to Vegas, so I got to pack. Well, I mean, Anthony's going to be Anthony. You know, we're going to do the jock's going to jock. Uh, you, you got me for like a good. You had a good run where you got did. me three or four months in a row. I mean, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. We'll be back. We'll take it, and then we'll be back once it gets cold again. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's summer, baby. Yeah, it's summer right now, so anything's got a jock. Uh, also, there's a you pick a tier where you can pick any movie for us to watch and review for you. It's a lot of fun. Jockandnerd.com slash Patreon. Speaking of the 21st Century Action Movie Tournament, this week's movie review is a movie in the tournament. It is 2003's Ungbak, the Thai Warrior. Here is your spoilers. Strap yourselves in, you fucks. Spoiler time. This movie, also known as Ungbak Muay Thai Warrior, I believe it's the original Thai title, but in the U.S., it came out as Ungbak the Thai Warrior in 2003 on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the tomato meter is at 85%, uh, 7 mm-hmm. out of 10 average rating from critics, 84% from the audience. Movie was made on a slim budget of $1 million, $1.1 million, and goes home to take a box office of $20 million, which... That's what is that? A 20x return? That's not bad. <laughs> it's pretty damn good. For a $1 million movie. Uh, the movie is directed by this guy, Prachia Pinkawa. 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 There's going to be a lot of weird Thai names here. The ones you do want to remember are the guy who did the stunt choreography. His name is Pana Ritikrai. He also co wrote the movie. 
And this is the movie that introduced international audiences to two things, I believe. Tony Ja and traditional Muay Thai. Pana Rita Cry was also... I wouldn't, I wouldn't no? go that far. Okay. Yeah. Didn't, Not the second point. Okay, point we'll talk sure. about that. It yeah. introduced international audiences to Tony Ja. Pana Rita, Rita Karai is also Tony Ja's mentor and himself a veteran director of B-movie action films. Uh, Anthony, had you seen this before, Ungbach? Not until I watched it for um, a couple weeks ago for the uh, upcoming tournament. So All right. I have not seen it. I, I was aware of the movie. I knew it existed. I knew of Tony Ja. I'd seen clips of him doing stuff, but I'd never sat down and watched the movie. Okay, me too. This is my first time watching. I'm glad I watched The Protector last week, and following up with this has been great. What happens in Ungbak the Thai Warrior? Ungbak is about this village in Thailand where uh, some criminals steal the head of their, I guess it's Ungbak, right? Ungbak is the Buddha, yeah. Yeah, steal the Buddha's head, and this devastates the village, so they have to send in Ting, played by Tony Ja into Bangkok to go and retrieve it, and he gets into all sorts of shenanigans trying to tr- retrieve this thing. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty simple fucking plot. It's like in Indiana Jones when the Indian guy's like, you will go to Bangkok and bring Ungabok back. Get the stones <laughs> from Bangkok. Uh, yeah. You know what? The plot uh, is simple and straightforward and uh, largely... The, the plot is there to service Tony Ja. Yes, largely unnecessary. Let's just get him into the city and have him fight people. Yep, and that's what happens. All right, so watching Ungbak for the first time, Anthony, I want to know your, your your reaction, your impression of the Tony Ja and the Ungbak. Uh, well, I mean, the first thing you have to mention when you see this is just, this is like, I'm going to make another sports analogy, but this is like LeBron James or James or... Uh, it's like LeBron James when he had bad teams yeah. and he's just carrying the entire team to the finals. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what this is because Tony Jaw is just his athleticism is just insane and his fight skills are so insane. The rest of the the, the movie's nothing really without him. He basically makes the entire movie. Yeah. Everything else around him is just kind of quirky and there's some like funny little bits. It's made in a way that is not your traditional American movie. There's like quirkiness, but then there's some like violence in it that you're like, where the hell did that come from? And you have a f- friend with blonde hair that's kind of a buffoon. So it's like kind of a quirky, jokey action movie um, that has a silly, kind of a silly premise. But again, it just, Tony Jaws athleticism just jumps off the screen. I mean, I, I rewatched some of the fight scenes. Those are great. But even the, the chase scene where oh. he's jumping through shit, Dude. doing backflips or front flips and i mean it's just that guy has like springs in his body the way he's moving around it's really a one-man show he does seem to defy gravity and fly at certain points and it's amazing i you know you know it's a good movie i found myself watching it going holy shit let me run that back what the fuck did he just do that i would rewind these scenes just to watch them again they show you shit three times so you can believe it yes we'll talk about that instant replay is a thing in this movie (laughs) yes uh, Ruggs, what's your history with this movie? I'm sure you've seen this before. Oh, as you know, I am a person who likes these types of movies, and I watch a lot of Asian movies. So uh, when somewhere on the scene, I think I was hitting up my old internet spots where I would get suggestions for movies, and I think it might have been Dark Horizons or Ain't Cool News back in the day. 
said, oh, I just saw the fucking craziest movie at this film festival. Well, hadn't even come out here yet. And I was like, when that movie comes out, I'm fucking getting it. Because they were talking about comparisons to Bruce Lee, athleticism, like uh, dynamics and like just fucking shit that you've never seen before. And I'm like, in a in a movie, I mean, I've seen every Hong Kong action film. Yeah. What's going to surprise me now? Yeah. And I fucking, I fucking found this movie. I, I, I searched everywhere for it, got it on, a, and I watched it on a, a region-free player, a DVD uh, player that I had, and I sat back, and I was just blown away by this movie. Tony Ja, to me, in this movie, is like watching like like the best athlete do something fucking he's, crazy, he's just badass. like, because... It opens up with this scene where they're climbing trees. Yes, a tree climbing contest. There's there's no like wires on anybody. They're fucking falling off the tree. Yeah, and there's wide shots of them just getting shoved and falling to the ground. This is like, okay, in Thailand, there's no rules. You could just fucking (laughs) kill people on screen. And you know what? The realness, the reality of that or the well stagedness or the the fact that they were just going for it in this movie. You're never going to see that again. Like, I think... Standards have gone up since then. Yes. And, OSHA uh, and safety standards, maybe. <laughs> sure. Like, you can't just throw people off trees anymore. It was just, to me, even watching it again, I just watched it again the other night. And I was just like, oh, I forgot he did this shit. He, like, sometimes you don't even know what's coming out of him. Like, you think he's going to punch somebody, and all of a sudden, he hits him with a knee. Yeah. You, know, all of a sudden, yeah, you don't know where like, you, don't, you, you don't know where, yeah, how it's going to land. And he doesn't just do something like a normal guy would. Like, okay, I'm going to shove this guy out of the way because, no, he's going to fly. He's going to flip backwards and hit you with the back of his foot in your face. There's some and amazing moves in here, yeah. So he's, and he's constantly, like, showing off. It's like, I remember, like, the first time I saw uh, Jackie Chan, modern Jackie Chan movie with, like, that wasn't, like, uh, where I was like, I can't believe this guy's doing all this shit. And this is how I felt when I saw this movie. I was like, dude, this dude is going to be huge. And then, like, he was in Fast and the Furious for five minutes, and that was it. <laughs> like, they never gave Tony Jaa proper American debut. Right. Uh, which is uh, sad because, yeah. like, people would probably dig this shit. But um, this is this is a great martial arts film. I think it's one of the, I would say, top 15. Damn. I know it, uh, maybe even top 10 if you want to really get crazy about it. I mean, I know it's notable for the fact that like there's no wire food. There's no CGI, no stunt doubles. Was this a big deal in the early 2000s? Because I, I love this style of fighting. You know, I, we saw it. I saw it in the protector and uh, it, it, he's just so impressive. And it looks like he's really hitting people. These people you don't look see like any pads. You don't see any wires. No, they look like they're getting hit hard. You do see stuntman, though. I mean, you he's, do you know, see he's doing all the moves, right? Uh, George's George, the guy oh, who yeah. plays George, the blonde guy. Black. Yeah, he went in the gas station. <laughs> yeah, it's clearly a stuntman. Yeah, when he flips yeah, him. it is clearly a stuntman. But man, Tony Jaa is hurtling kids and tables and cars and jumping through barbed wire. He's doing parkour. Uh, and some of these moves, like you said, where like there's like one move where there's a flying kick. And he misses with the kicking leg and then kicks the dude with the other leg on his way down. I was like, how the fuck do you even do that? Uh, it's it's so impressive. Yeah. The movie itself is not a good movie. 
But as Anthony said, he just his just watching this performance of him in any fight scene, yeah. it's like you just got to see it. You got to see it to believe it, and it's great. Yeah, and it's not even. I mean, the fight choreography itself is good, but it really it's because of him. Yeah, like the, the there isn't this amazing. It's not like the raid where you're seeing also amazing camera work and funny That's fun true. locales. Like you're seeing stuff that, for the most part, it's not it, it, it's not super creative, but it's him. It's yeah. fucking him. I mean, right away when he challenges the when he gets thrown into the the pit fight yeah big bear and and he knocks the guy out with a kick that like yes. it looks like a kick but yeah. it's really his knee that he throws up as a kick yeah and you just go what the fuck what happened? i'm sure at the time a lot of people were like wait a minute he just used his knee like that dude he i love I did lo- he just bring his knee up to that guy's face like that that there, there's like there's a couple of things i love about the style all the knee work the flying knee through the chest through plate glass and then all like the elbow strikes to the head seem very. Yeah, brutal. I don't think he throws a punch in the entire movie. A po- yeah, barely. I mean, he's swinging. He's hitting with his elbows. He's hitting with his elbows, his, his knee, his, his shin. Yeah, yeah, his feet, and like, like you said, Rugs, the, the he's just doing backflips and kicking you in the head. Uh, but the, as he's far doing as- this thing too, where he like brings his one leg behind his other to block kicks. Yeah, yeah. Like well, he'll kick your leg with his back leg behind his other leg. What the fuck? It's it's hard to describe. Yeah. Just, it's like he's doing a like a river dance almost thing. A little bit. I love how he but, uses the knee for protection to block a lot of things too. I like too when there's. I remember there's a scene where he flips over. He flips onto the um. Oh, what the fuck are those called? On those buildings when they're the building scaffolding, the, the scaffolding. scaffolding. Yeah, yeah. And someone comes up and he just like pushes the guy down. Yeah. But he does it in a way that's like so elegant yet forceful that it's like. Wait, all he did was just push him. Yes, but it looks awesome. <laughs> he like throws like a palm strike and pushes the guy down. It's just he's spectacular. And yeah, he walks on people twice. Oh, yeah, in this that's movie. great. Oh, he does lots of splits too, which puts him, you know, in the Jean Claude uh, fucking category of splits over like sharp metal objects and a bunch of things. <laughs> he does some amazing things. But I wanted to ask you. Uh, let's get back to that. The, Wait, the, well, should we stay on how amazing he is? Yes. Or do you want to get? No, no. Well, I just. I mean, we might as well bring it up because of yeah. how amazing. This guy is so amazing. Yeah. And we brought this up when I talked about it. Yeah. Uh, in what are we watching? This guy's so amazing that they have to have they, they had to have lit him out, his legs on fire. Yes. And he does a kick. <laughs> his legs are on. Fire. He looks like Gamera. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> he's like in this. He's flying in a circle. It's another like Van Damme thing from like Hard Target. He flies, but, but his flames, legs are on fire. His legs on fire and <laughs> continues to beat the guy up. And then just puts him out later while he's on fire. While he's on fire, it, that's fucking great. That's fucking great. We can go through. I want to go through these some of these fight scenes and these chase scenes. But I wanted to know about the technique of showing uh, the instant replay. You see him do these moves, <laughs> and then they show it from all three angles, kind of breaking the flow of time in a movie. But I heard like, didn't Bruce Lee do this in some of his movies? Is this? Did somebody else do this? I th- it's been done uh, in. I think it, they did it in Street Fighter and stuff like that. I think they've done it in other movies. Uh, you're gonna watch it anyway. I, you're gonna I, rewind it any yeah, you wanted no, to. I personally fucking love it because you have this guy doing great stunts and they filmed it from three angles. Why waste it? Show me all of it. It is odd. They could have tried to edit it together so it flowed better, but they just literally They're just like show it again. Show it again. 
But I mean, you have this guy doing death-defying shit, and you caught it perfect. Three angles, use them all. Yeah, Why waste I mean, it? I, I agree with you, Imran. I, it looks like they were just they caught it from three angles, and they were like, like "Which one do we use?" This, this like, is literally of one of those things <laughs> where they were going, "This guy is so spectacular that you need to see this three times." And you don't, we're we're gonna do you a fucking solid. Yeah, you want to? We're not gonna let you times. rewind it. Yeah, you can just fucking see it. It 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 it. it it's not the great like. It's actually a shit technique. Like I don't know. I don't really know. I wouldn't recommend any other movies doing this, right. but. But for him, it works. If you have Tony Jaa, yeah. If you if you're gonna have a guy jump through yeah. a ring of barbed wire <laughs> and not even like nothing oh, but net, like just that. like not, just swish <laughs> right through it, and uh, yeah, you got it, you got it on film. You're gonna want to show that shit. I love that first chase scene because there's also comedy moments. Like I kind of loved the, the George character. Uh, he was great. He reminded me of like a Thai Jim Norton rugs. Doesn't, doesn't he look <laughs> yeah, like, a little bit. He's like a Thai, but his comedic moments where Tony Judd Ting would do a move and then he would try to do the same move and sometimes his pants would rip or he'd hit a barrel. Like it's funny. He was funny. He, br- the, he brings the knives out. Yeah. And, and then the, the knife lady walks by going knives for sale. Like that shit is funny. And then they cut to him getting chased with yes. all everyone now has a knife. And then I, I even see like Tony Judd doing like break dancing moves. He was doing like a backspin while kicking people on a table, yeah. sliding under the car, hurtling cars, flipping off the scaffolding, walking on their heads. Oh my god, that everything in that scene was fantastic. Uh and then you get him coming back to the fight club and he fights three fucking people in a row, just like he does in the protector. Was it all the same guy in a different wig, or is it possibly the, first, the, the one dude that's Asian with an afro? Yeah, yeah. What well, that I'm dude? Like, that's the funny. worst wig in the world. What are they doing? <laughs> that guy looked like Richard Dowd from the IT crowd. Uh, <laughs> first, it's Ting versus Big Bear, who looks like a, a, a professional wrestler, uh, and uh, also wearing a terrible wig. He's wearing a bad wig. I love the little detail how he doesn't want to fight, but anytime like a, a female gets hurt or is in danger. That's what gets him in. Well, that's, he's a noble guy because yeah. they start the movie off by saying that Muay Thai is a dangerous thing. Oh, that's hilarious. Like his trainer goes, I taught you Muay Thai. Now never use it. And then he just right. walks away. And the guy's like, all right. And all the all the moves have like animal and names. Like he's doing the moves and saying the names. That was pretty cool. The funny thing about this movie is that uh, Tony Ja walks into the that the fight pit and yeah. that's where Ang, that's where Ang Bak is like the movie's over he could have just the head was right that there out. with the dude with the voice <laughs> the box in the wheelchair what a great bad guy not really but uh inconsistent voice box usage too did you notice he at the end he's not using no yeah, thing? He's everybody just hears fine. him fine yeah, i don't understand what's going on okay so in that fight he beats he beats big bear and i love big bear good going fuck muay thai and uh he gives him a couple of elbows to the head and bows in respect then he's got to fight that dude in the fro with the fro who's like dancing. And then I really love like the different styles going up against him. This dude is dancing and Ting is just not moving at all. Just standing solid. Just waits for his moment to fucking strike. And then he fights a dude named Mad Dog. It's not Yaya Ruian. It's a white guy this time, but it's a character named Mad Dog. And this dude fights dirty. That was a great end of this fucking scene where he's just using everything. Chairs, tables, refrigerators fucking alive electric oh, yeah. wire to, to to fight him uh and he still beats him with that flying knee to the chest and, off the table it's awesome and then he makes it rain then they make it rain and they throw coins well, at him they, good I mean, oh you're talking about that fight scene. Yeah, yeah just yeah. that one yeah i did like that, that, that when they start incorporating all the um surroundings like they start moving it from the pit to 
They're using you know, tables and all glass and all this shit. I did love it every time. He goes, I'm lying. I know you. You're lying. And the guy's like, <laughs> shut up. My name's George. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that the that scene that just comes up where the bad guy shoves the drugs in the girl's face. Yeah, that's weird. And she has the overdose. Yeah. That was pretty fucking out of left field. And it was it felt like a bit much, but. Yeah, yeah. This movie goes in weird ass places. Well, that uh, leads right into another fantastic chase scene with uh, tuk-tuks, or otherwise known as rickshaws in India. I guess in Thai- Thailand they're called tuk-tuks. Uh, well, the little, before you get into those, yeah. though, like I do want to touch on that because that's what I meant by this movie being kind of quirky and definitely not Western. Yeah, because there, there's scenes like that. That scene is just like kind of not great to watch. Yeah. Yeah, and then, but then there's a lot of like comedy. There's a lot of like almost slapstick type humor. Yeah. But then later on, too, you get um, Humle, George. Yeah. His arm gets like severely broken. They show that. Yeah. Some snapping. Um, so it's just like one of these. And then the movie's kind of like somewhat based in reality. Then you have the thing where the, the villain like sticks like four needles in himself, like it's Universal fucking Soldier. Oh, yeah. He juices <laughs> up super hard. It's, and then like, he, what's going on? He defends like a saw attack. <laughs> oh god, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's fucking. He brutal. barely has a scratch on him. Hey, wait! Before we get to that, this chase scene is kind of fun. It's great. It has one crazy, ridiculous moment uh, where he they're chasing Ting, and I love them. They're flying off the bridge. They're smashing these things, but Ting clears this like platform and a in the construction site that's holding big giant pipes right and it shears off the top of his ride and then the bad guys the first bad guy crashes into the pipes goes flipping vertically directly in the air while four other took to crash into the thing and explode while the thing is still flipping in the air above them and it lands right on top of them that was um, some amazing contrived Isn't Humley in one of those no, and he's he fine in the next. Uh, no, no he's in a separate one. They meet up later. They were in two separate ones oh, at that okay. point. They started in one. Uh, and then, and then uh, hilariously, the chase ends with them driving off a pier conveniently right where the bad guy has been storing stolen religious artifacts underwater. And he just <laughs> kind of stumbles on all these stolen uh, pieces. Yeah, so. what was the bad guy's deal? He was just stealing, like, Ungbox and just putting I, them underwater? Uh, no, but why is he chopping heads off fucking well, Buddhas? So, no, what, no, I think po- what I read, I it was confusing as well, but I read something where uh, the bad guy, Don, is it Don? Da, uh, no, Don is the shitty gang member. Yeah, no, but that's, that's he originally steals the thing. Yeah. The, the, yeah. And he thinks it's valuable in that... Uh, uh, voice box guy will yeah. like it, and the voice box guy doesn't like it. No, Don is a <laughs> shitty gang member. He's constantly fucking things up, and voice box guy is constantly yelling at him, calling him. Yeah, there's there's that too, which we we just the the main villain has a voice box and is in a wheelchair like the entire movie. Yeah, there's a lot of gambling. In there's this a movie. lot of gambling and losing. Uh, and then we get to uh the rope fight match. Uh, at the end, where it was also confusing, did Ting know that he was throwing the fight? Yeah, of course. Okay, because yeah. he does get beat. It's I love the training montage where Tony Jaa is wrapping himself in rope, and the other guy is just juicing up with a syringe. Uh, it's showing the differences, and like nothing. Like Drago. Him. Yeah, and he's hitting him, and nothing's happening, and he gets stomped through the table. There's an amazing clothesline where Tony Jaa just goes flying and spinning. And I'm like, how are these fuckers not getting hurt doing this shit? This looks amazing. 
Uh, and then uh, some more action as uh, they're taken to this weird uh, remote location. The bad guy reneges on this deal and they're about to be killed and they fight and they escape. And this is where Ting flies through flames with his legs on fire. I also love the other move where he jumps off the pickup truck and kicks the dude on the motorcycle. And his head helmet splits in half. <laughs> right. And his head. Luckily, he's wearing a helmet. Nothing happened. I think that was Don also. Yeah, yeah, that was Don. And then you have the uh, the final climactic sequence in this cave where. For some reason. For some reason, it's in a cave where there's a giant Buddha or voice box guy is cutting the head off the Buddha. I'm like, what? Why are you even doing this? Like, why are you cutting the head? Is this just petty at this point? You got, well, you also, and why are this. they building a Buddha head in a cave? In a cave. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's like an ancient Buddha head that's been in that cave. And he just like, he's extracting right, I guess I'm, this is what I'm doing. I'd be yeah. known for cutting off Buddha. Head. I'm the Buddha head guy. I'm just going to cut them all off. But this, on his way to meet that guy, Ting easily fights, what, 20 people in groups of five with different weapons. With He's got a staff at one point yeah. while they have swords. And he does that cool, like, circular move where he draws the lines in the sand and half circle. It's fucking badass. When he gets those fucking billy clubs. Yeah, what is fucking- that? He straps these metal things to his arms. So he looked like he was Robin. Fucking Nightwing and, and shit. And it smashes people. What I didn't mention, what's funny, the protector, which I watched last week at the end of that movie, he does the same thing, only with giant elephant bones. <laughs> he straps on elephant bones on his forearms for the last fight, just like here. It's a little bit better here. It makes more sense. Uh, and yeah, he's fighting up. I mean, the, the, the scene where he does like multiple spin kicks in a row takes out two guys. And then just another spin kick in the air is like a drop kick to the guy that's on the ground all in one. Fl- I'm like, holy fuck, the 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 backflip kicks the saw blade into the forearms. This is where that happens. That looked like it hurt. And then, yeah, Evidently, yeah, though, it didn't cut his skin, really. It's just like he's uh, bleeding, bleeding a little bit. Uh Oh, wait, there was one thing earlier when he's getting ready for the rope match fight. I didn't understand. He, he ties the rope on and then he puts this thing in his mouth. And then he like spits on his arms. Does anybody know what that? Yeah, is? that's uh, in the village before they send them on the mission. They said, "I'm giving you these special herbs. Oh, in the beginning, they'll make you feel no pain. Oh, oh. I didn't. And so it. he puts it. He puts the it in his mouth, and he starts sucking on the juice, and he's yeah, crazy and he spits all over his arms to numb his arms. Yeah. Oh shit! Oh, I'm glad there's an explanation for that. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. Uh, you got you know you got to pay attention in the very beginning because. He, there was a lot. Yeah, there's a little bit of exposition. And then that's this is where Homelai's arm gets snapped. And then he fucking brutally snaps that dude's leg. Like, just thinking about what that must have felt like. <laughs> That'd be cringing. Uh, there's some brutal moves. And then we get to the final boss fight. Uh, and, oh, this is where he puts the thing in his mouth. Yeah. And the bad guy. Injects uh, himself. It just He's getting beat. And he just has four syringes. And he just shoves them into his chest. His eyes go red. And then to win, Ting has to summon the power of the Buddha. The whole concept of like this pacifist monk who is just fucking good at fighting is also kind of funny. And like he needs to summon the power of Buddha to fight and be violent. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I like it. But yeah, no, it was, it was good. I mean, the Humley kind of gets sacrifices himself for yeah. him, and um, voice box guy gets crushed by a Buddha head. But a big head, very great ironic ending. You got what was coming. I, I do like the the fact that uh, 
ting Tony Jaw double double knees someone through the through scaffolding. the ground is amazing. Yeah. That's the finishing move on that dude on the bad guy. Double knees. It's memorable. It's yeah. it's kind of memorable. <laughs> and ting it. I mean, again, like it, this happens in the protector, and again, like John Wick. By the end of it, I'm like this fuck. I'm exhausted. This fucking guy just fought like thirty people, and I just got beat the shit out, and and came back and. Oh, oh, it's so, uh, it just, you, it, it's so good. It's so immersive in this fighting. Yeah. I mean, there, what more can you say? I mean, the, the, every scene is just a, a showcase for Tony jaw doing more spectacular shit, jumping off shit, doing flips, using weapons, introducing this style of Muay Thai that you touch upon. Not a lot of people had seen before. It just, I can only imagine being transported back to that time and watching it for the first time, being rugs and seeing all the Hong Kong stuff and then watching this and being like, wait a minute, you could use other parts of your body like this? Like, what is this? Yeah. Like, I, I ran through the streets telling everyone I knew about this movie. Like, you guys got to watch this movie. Come over to my house and watch this movie. Mm-hmm. I, and I was like, I was so excited when I saw this for the first but time. But it wasn't Muay Thai was around, but uh, in, in some kind of well, I mean, it was around. So, Kickboxer with Jean Claude oh. Van Damme is a Muay Thai movie as well. Okay. Now, Jean Claude Van Damme doesn't do a ton of Muay Thai in it, but that is a Muay Thai movie that's based in Thailand. Um, and then also UFC was doing. I mean, it wasn't popular then, but they had been doing Muay Thai for a while. You had Sagat and Street Fighter. Too. You also had Sagat and Street Fighter, who was a Muay Thai specialist, but no one was doing it like that. Like no one had seen it like this. So you are right in that it, it kind of popularized it way more, especially on film. No one put it on a fi- in film um, this well, did it this well. I'm sure it has been on film, but no one did it the way Tony Jaw was doing it. I don't think anybody does Muay Thai like he does. I don't think no. there's a lot of guys that can pull the shit off. You got to be so athletic and springy and, and strong. I, you know, I got to credit Street Fighter actually for educating me on a lot of fight styles because I love how you see the different fight styles. I love how we saw Salat in the raid. You see Muay Thai in this, but in that one, there's a Capoeira guy. So I learned about Capoeira from Street Fighter and I probably saw Muay Thai in Street Fighter too, uh, as well. But that game really does. It gives you a, they, they gives you a wide array of martial arts. And then you're like, oh, I know that. It's from Street Fighter. If you Fighter. love fighting movies, you gotta love Street Fighter. Well, Street Fighter, Fighter and uh, Mortal to Kombat. a lesser extent, Mortal yeah, Kombat. Yeah. yeah, definitely Street Fighter taught you like ball rock, boxer. Yeah. Sagat, Muay Thai, you know, Capoeira. Where was Capoeira again? Blanca. Blanca. Well, yeah, the dancing around Brazilian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and there's other of, characters now that do better, but yeah. yeah Muay, Thai, exactly. Muay Thai has a little bit of, it seems a little bit like Capoeira and some of like the flipping and the spinning. Mm. No, Muay Thai no. doesn't incorporate the, the flipping no. is Tony Jaws thing. Oh, okay. The Muay Thai is more of like it's called eight points of contact, two fists, two elbows, two knees, oh, two feet. Oh, yeah. Sometimes he's hitting him with all of those things. A, at the a same lot time. of Muay Thai is actually not that extravagant. If you watch a real Muay Thai fight, a lot yeah. of it's them two in the clinch trying to knee each other, elbow each other. Did, yeah. Did kickboxing come out of Muay Thai then? Kickboxing is kind of Muay Thai. They're, Muay Thai. they're interchangeable in oh, a lot yeah, of ways. Okay. Asian kickboxing kind of. Kickboxing, there's kickboxing is like not as much knee and elbow work. Um, right. It's just a little different, but uh, I mean, they're yeah, they're kind of similar. They're like sisters. Uh, there's some interesting production notes here. Apparently, during the foot chase scene through the alleys, these people were looking for funding from big Hollywood people. There is a writing on one of the shop house doors that says, "Hi Spielberg, let's do it together." <laughs> 
Uh, so that he wanted to work with Spielberg. And then during the Tuk Tuk chase, a pillar on the left side of the screen reads, Hi, Luke Besson, we are waiting for you, which is another guy. So Luke Besson, actually, his company, Europa Corp, uh, got the sales rights for outside Asia for Ong Bak, and he re-edited the film. There are alternate versions, and I'm not sure which version we saw. It says here, most of the subplot involving Mui Lek's sister, Ngek, oh, that was the girl who died overdosed, was removed. And the final showdown between Ting and Saming was shortened. Europa Corp also rescored the soundtrack with some hip-hop sounds, replacing the Thai rock score. Apparently, this is the version we watched, because I did enjoy the hip-hop music in this. And I kind of like some of the music and some of the score is very good. Uh, the Han... Uh, no, you don't like uh, it? It, it score is kind of dated. It's a very 2000s they, score. They got that one, that one very 80s or 90s hip-hop guy going rock the beat that was like using everything rock the beat like it sampled over and over again but i was like oh hip-hop i like this uh also rizza and the wu-tang love this fucking movie they're big fans oh, yeah. uh the hong kong cut of the film's theatrical release omits a brome breaking sequence towards the end where george's arm is snapped oh they took that out an alternative ending offered on the thai u.s australian and uk dvd releases has Lai surviving he is seen at the end bandaged up, limping with his arm broken, supported by his parents. Mm. Uh, I think it's better that he makes a sacrifice, uh, perhaps. I mean, his dad was sending him letters and he just kept discarding them. Yeah, I what a dick, I'm like. I'm, I, I'm, I'm okay with them killing him because I, I was like, I grew fond of, of that character. He was really funny. And then I was like, oh, he ended up being, dude, making the ultimate sacrifice. <laughs> the, so, ultimate the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, so I was okay. And then there are, um, there's Ongbok two and three, which are prequels. Two is right. a prequel and three is a pre, it, it starts with two ends. Uh, and of course he goes on. He also made The Protector in the same year, 2005. He does another movie with Hum Lai, the guy who plays Hum Lai called yeah. The Bodyguard, I believe. Oh, yes. He does The Bodyguard. I feel like I've seen that guy. I think he was in The Protector also, that guy, briefly. He might be. Yeah. Like they're all. Buddy, They're always buddy. like buddies in every move. So let, here's the big question. And Ruggs, you answered it up front. Is this the best, best martial arts movie of its time or of all time? I think uh, it's definitely in the conversation. It's for me to watch a movie I've seen about three or four times and still be wowed by it every time I see it. Yeah. It's got a, it's a testament to Tony Jai. It really is. Uh, the ability to capture this stuff on film. I don't know how you make a million dollars and pack it with this much action. Yeah. That's memorable. Yeah. And it's all down to one person. So it's like, I I don't know if it's a good movie, but it's an amazing capturing of this type of athleticism and just command of their body. And I think that that's entertaining enough just on its own without even being a great film. So I don't know what to say. It's I can't really say it's a great movie, but I can tell right. you it's a great, great time. It yeah. is uh, spectacular and it is uh, never going to be repeated again. I think this is the thing with Ung Bak is that every movie after this movie is just like they're trying to capture this magic again. And even though the protector is is good and it's got some great scenes in it, it's still like 
you're going to have a hard time placing it above on box. This like is either going to be yeah. right alongside it or, or maybe a little bit just a, a tad lesser. I mean, this it's it, this is a better made movie than the Protector. The Protector has some impressive scenes, but the, uh, I feel like this is a little more consistent. It's just better made, better edited. All the editing in the Protector is fucking horrible. Uh, but uh, Anthony, best martial arts yeah. movie, and why? Why hasn't Tony Jaw? Is why isn't he bigger? What happened? Well, he's older now. He can't pretty. speak English. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, he's, he's probably not the best. Probably not the best actor. Doesn't speak English all that well. Neither um, does Jackie Chan, though. But Jackie Chan is uh, he's charming. He's kind of he does speak English, and he's charming, yeah. and and he did a lot of um, comedy, situational stuff too, which right. helps, like the situational comedy. Right. Whereas um, Tony Jaa is he's just it's that athleticism just that that doesn't stay forever. No, it is. Um, it's I know impressive. Jackie Chan still kind of can do some stuff. Was doing stuff late, yeah. but. Um, they kind of masked that too like, with the comedy. The biggest movie he was in was in the Fast Furious and Seven. And do you think they used him to the best? Of, uh, do you think he stood out like really at all? No, not really. Furious they Seven, didn't... and then he's in Triple X: Return of Xander Cage, and then he's in that Jujitsu movie with uh fucking oh God, Nick don't Cage even bring it up. from twenty twenty. He's <laughs> hey, in Monster Frank Hunter. In that one. Yeah. <laughs> And he's in the Expendables Four coming out. Oh, he is. That's up. There's one upcoming role. Oh, I'm glad it, they got him in that. Okay. Is, so going back to your question, is this the best martial arts movie? It's certainly up there. I mean, I don't know if you can rate it the best in terms of it's the story's just not great. Yeah. It's but it's not horrible either. It's yeah. just kind of a eh story. Yeah. yeah. So in that sense, but as far as like his athleticism, it I dare you to think of anything better. I mean, yeah. The only thing I can think of is something we just reviewed with the, the raid. Yeah. Um, the raid isn't, but Eco Uwais, based on these two films, Rugs has probably seen more, but Eco Uwais also is athletic, but it's not, it's not jump off the screen athletic. It's more just the fight choreography. Yeah. So fucking detailed and, and he's yeah. doing it for so long. And the director is a big part of it. I think that yeah. if you, if you watch the raid, there's more cuts in the fight scenes and it's, I think it's way more planned out because if uh, I with the, in interviews with the director, he said that he planned things out very meticulously. I feel like that this also planned well, but I think this this relies more on like you can't cut these moves together, right? You can't have him flipping and going through barbed wire right. and flipping through glass and whatever you got it it's got to be in the it's all on camera yeah and that's why they show it three times because they, oh, yeah, they gotta show yeah. it to you three he times. snaps a lot of arms in this last battle scene when he's getting there yeah uh, and people are taking real hits yeah and you can see it and people are falling off trees and shit i mean again it's so real looking i'm like these guys are actually getting hit it seems a little more organic to your point than the you know the very strictly choreographed stuff in the raid it's like here's the general plan, and just keep the camera rolling. How much did the raid cost to make? I think it was also a million dollars. They're both great million dollar movies. They really are. Like you really for dollar for dollar, you get a ton of more entertainment in those two movies than like half the movies that are made. Are these sequels any good? Have you seen those rugs two and three? The prequels? Uh, it goes off the rails. I think. Um, I don't recall them being that entertaining or memorable okay. I, it, it was because it's all set in the past and it's a period piece and it relies more on uh there are some 
I just don't remember it. it. I remember seeing it. I remember it like watching it, but I wasn't like, remember, Hey, I got to watch that again. Or I feel like Ong Bak was better. I feel like the first one was but better. What happened? It's about Ting before any of this happens. No, no, this is a, like you go in the past, oh, like in the past, right. past. Oh, yeah. And Tony, where you actually see somebody else, where you oh. actually see these, uh, these guys that protect the elephants and all that, all that mythology. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, he just he's plays warriors. He plays he's Thai a warriors. completely different character. Oh, interesting. Okay, same. Yeah. Oh, he directs the second. He directed the second one he, uh, and the third one. Interesting. And yeah, I f- I feel like they're. I don't know. I don't know if they're bad movies at all. I just don't think that they rise to the excitement level of Ang Bak. There's something about Ang Bak that is. It's it's got an electric feel to it. He made a lot of movies with elephants. It's interesting. <laughs> he loves elephants. elephants in all the movies. Uh, oh, by the way, Roger Ebert, before we rate it, uh, gave it three stars. Oh, wow. Uh, and he starts out saying, no stunt doubles, no computer graphics, no strings attached. These nine words represent the most astonishing element of Ungbok, the Thai warrior, the first Thai film to break through in the martial arts market. So we got Indonesia, we got the Thai market breaking out in the early 2000s. Very interesting things. Well, this don't keep in mind. This is before the raid. This is seven years before the raid. Yes, yes. This came out first. Absolutely, early two thousands. I think two thousand four. Uh, that is correct. What did I say here? Yes, two thousand three. Two thousand three. There you go. Oh, Protector comes out in 05. It came out in 05 here in America. Maybe is what happened. Uh, okay. Any final words? Let's rate the movie. What would you give it, Anthony? This is a tough movie to rate, just because of. The fact that you know, the script is kind of whatever. I mean, it's not bad. Like I said, it's not bad. Um, it is quirky with all the different switches in tone. Um, that being said, I mean, Tony Jaw's performance is just so good. It's so spectacular. It's so breathtaking. It's so phenomenal that it kind of overcomes. As long as this, like, as long as the, it's edited and competently made, which yeah. somewhat is. Yeah the star of the show is him and what he's doing and you know you don't even really see this isn't one of those things where you watch it now and you've seen a bunch of this shit like you still don't see guys doing this shit yeah you the 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 way it's made and the the music is kind of like dated um but you don't you're not seeing a guy do stuff like this very often so mm-hmm. with that in mind i'm giving it an eight out of ten. Oh, nice and okay. it's 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 not fucking schindler's list right <laughs> It's graded on a different scale, but when you're comparing it to action movies, um, yeah, it's a great movie. It's a great action movie. Yeah. Great martial arts movie. Great martial arts. Great. uh, I mean, again, a movie that makes me fucking rewind the scene and watch it over and over again in an action movie. That's never bad. I feel comfortable giving this like an eight and a half. No problem. Even though, like, I obviously, like you said, the plot doesn't matter, but the chase scenes, the fight scenes, the athleticism. Uh yeah, I've never seen anybody do anything like this, and it's fucking impressive. Rugs, what are you gonna give it? I love the ong, I love the bach, I love the hyphen, I like it all. Okay, uh, what can you say? A- Anthony said it great. Dung uh, buck. Uh-huh. Uh, Anthony said it great. Like it is not a great movie if you, in the technical way of script story. Anything making sense, really, uh, the motivations of the characters, they're all bad. The acting's bad. 
the the whole thing. There's a there's a female character with the most annoying voice I've ever heard <laughs> in this. But you know, cute. But like, still, like, uh, very weird. But yeah, Tony Jaw is a spectacle. If you love action and you like to see fu- fucking people do amazing shit, you need to see this movie. Uh, 8.5 is a great score. It's it's fair. I mean, you could give it a 10 just for the athleticism alone. Absolutely, but, yes. But let's bring it back down to the reality and give it... It's a, As I said, this is not a film. This is a movie about watching somebody do amazing shit. Yeah. And that's all it is. And in and, and that way, it's an 8.5. It's, for sure. It's uh, Thai is one of those languages that sometimes sounds like uh, the person is just always angry. <laughs> you know, there's a couple of languages that even when they're saying something happy, they sound like they're just yelling at you and you're in trouble. Uh, I just think it's the actress, the way she talks. I will tell you, the acting in this is a lot better than The Protector, which is another thing. Oh, so, that one's a... That's what happens. Like the movies never get as good as Ung Bak. Yeah. The first one is just Tony Jaw's best. He but he does amazing shit in every movie. He does. There's a, and yeah. they try to like they try to capture the magic in this. And you know you do get to see him do. If you want to, if you're hungry for more, there's plenty of other Tony Jaw movies that were made in Thailand and stuff that are uh, pretty good uh, action wise, but terrible story wise. So if you want to sit through another. Terrible story with Tony Jaw doing crazy shit. There's plenty of them out there. I mean, so, the editing yeah, in this, this is great. There's the editing in the protector. There's one quick scene I'll mention. There's the thing where like the guy, the bad guy jumps over this railing on a bridge onto this train that's going underneath him, right? He flips and then Tony Jaw's character follows him. But here's what you see. You see a close-up shot of Tony Jaw's hands grab this railing and then it just cuts to him landing on top of this train. Like they didn't even have the money or the time to do the stunt. It's just is so bad. There's some bad editing, but it has an amazing one take fucking fight scene in the middle. And yeah, that's a showpiece. Yeah, that's the showpiece. This movie is better, but I would recommend if you like this, watch the protector. Watch Ungbox with the elephants. There's the just, bodyguard does yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah. So all right, good stuff. I'm excited. How do you think this will go far in the tournament, fellas? For a million dollar movie. Uh, it's going to do pretty well. I know who it's fighting, so oh. it's not going to come. I think it beats out a couple of a couple of people if it meets on the way in terms of just pure action and athleticism. It's a good, it's a, it's a very, very solid action movie. It, uh, amongst all our picks, it stands out in a lot of ways. So I is, could certainly see it doing very well. Is this the Cinderella run of the, of this tournament? There's always one. No, that's going to be RRR. I've already decided. Uh, but <laughs> maybe Ungbach defeats RRR. We'll see. Okay, let's do some news from the nation. It's hot for news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. Uh, I'm just going to share one quick comment from our buddy Wes Cranford in Australia uh, about last week's show when, what was it, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 review? He says, I enjoyed the show. Rugboy reminds me of Mikey from old commercials. He hates everything. I know Rugboy enjoyed this film, but I swear the three of you bounce off each other so well. Imran loves everything. Anthony's usually in the middle, and Rugboy is always critical. Love your chemistry, guys. Keep it up, but Jesus, Imran, turn off the TV sometimes and get out of the house. <laughs> Listen, I leave my house where I gotta go get my weed. <laughs> 
I gotta leave the house. It's not all the time. Sometimes it's delivered. I gotta go to work. <laughs> but I understand what he's saying because uh, I do watch a lot of things. Thank you for. The I just loved on box, so you could take that to the. Oh bank. yeah, we're switching it up. Oh my god, just a twist. Uh, and then the other thing is, I was I was thinking about the Guardians review and MCU trilogies, and we like briefly talked about it last week, but I thought it deserved a little further discussion. I put up this poll in our Facebook group, Talking Nerd Nation. I was kind of dumb, ultimately, now that I think about it. But uh, asking the nation best trilogy in the MCU, and there's a lot of trilogies, right? You got Iron Man. You got the Ant-Man. You got Captain America. You have Spider-Man. You have Thor, Guardians of the Galaxy. And then Matthew Lawrence actually added in the Avengers, which I would argue is more like two sets of like two movies. Yeah, it's, it's like not these trilogy. two, and the, even with Thor has four, and it's really like the first two or whatever, and then it's like a Taika thing. Anyways, coming up with the most amount of votes, uh, Captain America trilogy, and then Guardians second. But we were talking about: is there another series of films that's consistent, has the same director, the same vision, the same voice? I would like to argue that you could throw the Spider-Man trilogy in there. Oh yeah, definitely. As like top and three, Christopher Nolan's. No, I'm talking about just in the MCU. Oh. The MCU Spider-Man trilogy. Homecoming, Far From Home, No Way Home. All John Watts. Yeah, that's a trilogy. You know, Ant-Man is all Peyton Reed, but those movies are, what I mean, they're whatever. And it's a trilogy. It's a trilogy and the same guy. So if you're comparing, like, same guy trilogies. But I think in the running for best, is it's got the top three has got to be Captain America, Spider-Man, Guardians. What order? Uh, clearly Captain America number one. But... Is Guardians 3? I think, for me, Guardians may be 3. I don't know. Some people would put Guardians at number 1. At number 1, yeah. This is, poll, this, this comic it's book It's a toss-up, ultimately. Oh, yeah. so, yeah. So, I have a uh, comic book uh, movie.com has ranked all the trilogies. Here's their ranking. At number 6, they have Ant-Man. Number 5, they have Thor. Number 4, Iron Man trilogy. Number 3, Captain America Number two, Spider-Man. Number one, Guardians of the Galaxy. What do we think about that top three? Yeah, looks sounds good to me. Number I, two, Iron uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, hmm. I would put Spider-Man uh, probably three or four. But Captain America, Captain America one, but yeah. uh, you know, whatever. I mean, they're interchangeable. It's just yeah. your preference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the Captain America trilogy has Joe Johnston in the first one, and then then the Russo, Russo, yeah. Uh, and Winter Soldier is, you know, possibly it is arguably one of the best movies they have ever made. It belongs in that trilogy, but really, these aren't even like trilogies in terms of a true trilogy, like your Nolan Batman trilogy. So mm-hmm. it's it's weird to kind of rank these against each other. But I just forgot about Spider Man. I was like, yeah, you know what, John Watts did bring the same energy and charm to all three movies so it's successful anyways that's all any other things about trilogies nope uh, uh, all right let's finish up with what are we watching you guys watch anything other than i I did yeah i'll start oh um i was refraining from commenting but i did watch the protector oh you did oh my god okay i gotta hear what you think about this movie Oh, uh, a horribly edited movie. Yeah, right. As far as the, I mean, the version we got, the protector. I didn't, yeah. I didn't see Tum Yum Goong, but I mean, just like horrible editing, horrible dubbing, and uh, something like weird 
sometimes are speaking English. The right, the guy that plays Humle is in yeah. this movie, he is and in that he's movie. playing an Australian cop. Oh, and you yeah, can tell that's his right. English is completely dubbed over, like he's not speaking English. That's who he played. I don't, I don't understand what's going on there. Uh, the elephant thing is kind of funny. <laughs> Where's my elephant? Uh, there's some really good fight scenes, yeah. though. I mean, the the one take is spectacular. Yeah, it, up when he's going up the stairs, that's yeah. a, that's spectacular. Yeah. Like it's fucking great. Several levels, right? He goes up like oh, several, yeah. several, several, like, several levels. It's, and that, how come that shot so well? Yeah, and everything else is edited terribly. Yeah, that's I don't like, understand that. That's bonkers because like that scene just by itself is like a showpiece, yeah. and then everything else is like who edited the rest like what the fuck happened yeah, yeah that that's an all-time fight scene within a, a terrible movie mm-hmm. um i get some of the fights at the end are pretty good too i mean it's another showcase for tony jaw's athleticism it's just not as well made as the first one other than that fight scene the the one take though is better than anything in the first one so it's yeah. just kind of a weird thing but ultimately yeah i think ong bak is a is better is a hands down better film didn't you love when he strapped the elephant bones to his forearms that was amazing <laughs> <laughs> and he fights like these all these giants. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. Did you see him did you see the guy throw the fucking elephant? Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> and there's and there's one scene where it just like they keep bringing in different martial artists. So you have a capoeira yep. guy yep. and you have a guy with a sword yep. and it's it's not even all it, they're they're not even like trying to like make this make sense cuz it's just like one guy's waiting after the next guy to test yeah. himself. I mean, and that happens in Ungbak too. It's like kind of sometimes the one at a time well, the yeah. one at a time thing, a little, it, they, they wrote in that it was more of a, like an underground pit thing. Right. So, like, they at least kind of wrote it in. But yeah. this one, he just goes into church that's burning, and there's always, like, one next guy waiting for him. It's like, no, <laughs> just kill him. Well, that guy was but just anyways. watching this whole time while yeah. you were fighting? And okay. I love, like, he beats up one guy in the church that's burning, and then the next guy steps in, and then you just don't see the, the body of the guy. <laughs> Where did that guy yeah, go? they just made him go away. <laughs> he, just, he just went away. Yeah. But anyways, I mean, it's it's, it's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the middle scene is is worth. It is. Just watch that. And yeah. Just be like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. You don't need to watch the rest. The end where he fights movie. like a thousand guys is fun yeah. too. Big it's dude. fun. Yeah, yeah. There's good stuff. Oh yeah. When all uh, the plot dude, sucks though. Yeah. When the plot dudes... sucks and it's it just ho- so horribly edited for the american audience i don't know what tom yum gum was like but it it's just it's a terrible viewing experience for the way they made it for the u.s so this is this is a, a an edited different version right oh 100 yeah i looked up there oh. they did a lot of editing okay to get it maybe shorten the length or less yeah. like why why i think just- i might ha- i'm not sure if i have the protector or tom young gun i might have the og one on uh on dvd it's also if like somewhat humorous that they uh, he considers the elephant like a brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah. And then they do they have these weird cut scenes where they're going to CGI explaining ancient Thailand. Yeah. Oh yeah, with the weird <laughs> CG white modeled thing that was really <laughs> like, strange. I was like, what really is this? Strange. That was really strange. strange. So yeah. And the green screen at the end is like really bad. The whole helicopter bit, which is kind of cool, but like, oh yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know. It's the a bad guy's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a it kind of fits in the era 2000s movie. Yeah, the lady um, with the whip. She had a whip. Lady with the whip. Yeah. So I saw that and then also to prep I saw uh, Man on Fire. Oh, uh, I got to watch Tony that Scott's one. Man on Fire. Man, yeah. Um tell us about that one. Rugs compl- Rugs said it very well when we did the picking. It's kind of like the Punisher movie that was never made nice. in terms of the way Denzel is. Um not as action heavy as you would think. Much more 
character slash Tony Scott doing. I'm going to just come out and say I, I'm not the biggest fan of the way Tony Scott makes movies. Really? Okay. No, no. I, I, it's this was like kind of a like uh, kind of a chore to watch in terms of the way he edited it. Oh. Edited it. Yeah. But Denzel Washington's great. The the whole the whole storyline is pretty easy to get latched onto pretty quickly. Um, it's a solid solid film. I I I, li- I I enjoyed it. I don't know that it's like the best action movie, mm. but it's 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 a pretty good movie. Tony Scott is a lot of like real real close up shots, top lighting, top down lighting. It's crazy because like you're trying to find a movie that is a has action in it. Like you want to watch a, a movie that has great action in it, you just watch Ung Bak. It's right. got mm-hmm. but it's got a terrible plot. It's, yeah. the filmmaking in it is horrible, the acting is in it is horrible. So you have all these things working you're trying to find a movie that hits all those marks and has good acting, good script, mm-hmm. well shot, well edited. Yeah. And that's tough. It's, in the action genre, that's kind of you always sacrifice something right, to a degree. Right. The John Wayne's yeah. almost get there, but even they also have the same kind of. They have zero story though. Yeah, right. Issue. Yeah, the, the story is not all that encompassing. It's uh, but Man of Fire is. A, I mean, it's a good, it's a good story. It's, but have you seen it, Imran? No, you have never seen it. I, no. I might have seen it once. I don't remember it. Well, no, I just remember seeing it and going. Oh, this movie is dark like the Punisher, dark. and he fucking gets into it like the Punisher. Dark, yeah, a lot of tor- like torture stuff. Not they don't show a ton. Is he but- protecting a little girl? Yeah, he's trying yeah. to get. It. He's yeah, trying I to find like a little girl. He, he's 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 a bodyguard for a little girl in Mexico that ends oh. up getting kidnapped, oh. and he he forms a bond with this girl yeah. that kind of like reshapes his life and puts him in a new direction, and and uh, he goes out to basically get revenge for the girl. I've seen this, but I don't remember it. I gotta watch it. Good movie. It's All a good right, movie. Good. It's excited. on HBO Max. Oh, nice. The Max. Just yeah, Max. Or on Max. Yeah. Ah. So those are the two movies I uh, okay. I watched in prep for the attorney. Cool. Rugs, you watch anything? I watched Old Boy with John oh. Bellotti. Uh-huh. And we, it we, is, we can talk about that later. <laughs> it's an interesting film. Yeah. That's all you think. <laughs> uh, sign up for the Patreon for more on that one. Uh okay that's it okay oh you had and you had a little party with Bilotti that's nice <laughs> it's a Bilotti party <laughs> Bilotti party um I started watching the show on Apple TV Plus it's a science fiction show called Silo yeah uh, with Rebecca Ferguson's in it mm-hmm. it's not bad it's pretty interesting the premise is somewhere like hundreds of years in the future what seems to be the last of humanity lives in this tall silo in the ground. I'm talking like 150 floors down, uh, and it's broken up into classes, right? The people who live above are the the richer people and the working classes in the bottom. And what happened is 140 years ago, the, they, the, the people in charge are telling the people in the silo, 140 years ago, there was a rebellion, and the people burned all the books and materials and content, all the relics were destroyed, and they ruined the environment forcing everyone to live in a silo and they celebrate freedom day, which is the day the founders beat the rebellions and built the silo, blah, blah, blah. But there's a mystery. All is not what it seems. Is that the truth? You know, did the the rebels actually destroy the things or was it these people? If you are caught with a relic or an item from before you're arrested, but it's, it's the society where you have to register to like be in a relationship with someone then you got to register and get approved to have a baby. Uh, and uh, there's conspiracy theorists down there. And, oh, the best thing is when you want to leave, all you have to say is, I want to go out. 
and they have to let you out. They like arrest you. They put you in a suit and there's screens and people watch you leave and like die. But the conspiracy amongst the group is that they lied and it's actually breathable air outside. We don't know. Uh, so it's not bad. And Rebecca Ferguson's pretty good in this. Uh, so it sounds like a lot of other things like the last is. city it, of Ember. Yeah. And- yeah. 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 But it, there's only three episodes out right now, and it comes out Zion. on Friday. Yeah, so it's another dystopian future fucking sci-fi show. It's, it's up my alley. I might right. I, I love. I watch a movie about. It. I don't know if I'm about to watch a series about. Yeah, it. it's it's. I don't know how many episodes it'll be six or eight. But mm-hmm. I was digging it. It's it's good. It's good. Along with everything else is good. Like the Ted Lasso's been great. Yellow Jackets is great. Dave is great. And then uh, yeah, I don't go outside West Cranford. I'm watching all these shows. <laughs> basically um all right that's good gang thanks for listening that's good, gang. that's good that's good that's good let's get it uh rugs where can the listener find you online uh on twitter at really rug boy come follow me retweet me uh yeah just i'm not really doing much so that's the only place that you can find me find them there the link basement. in the episode description you can follow us on all the socials most importantly Share the show. Get it out there. Spread the geekery. Thank you for listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. He's a nerd. We'll peep you next time. I really don't give a shit. My balls are hot. Oh, classic. Oh. Gentlemen, this ah, yes. is Democracy Manifest. Jock and Nerd. Ta-ta and farewell. What were they called? Didn't the Hanson brothers make a song about this movie? Put that at the end of the show.